If the roar of the crowd gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are to the newest edition of the Punchlist MMA Podcast. It's your boy, Dale Lippin, in here with the one-time winner, the flying Hawaiian himself. You can't tell him shit right now. He doesn't want to hear anything you have to say. Caught off a victory last weekend. Trey Van Buskirk, what's up, man? Bro, I'm not, I'm not a gloater. I'm not. I'm not. Especially with friends. I mean, if I didn't know you, oh, it'd be a totally different story. But right. yes, had a good night, swept the main card. But it's off to the races in this upcoming card, my friend. Yeah, I think it was a great night from top to bottom. Uh, you know, even with the stellar effort that you put forth, I, I didn't do too bad myself. You know, I'm not I'm not upset with any of my plays. Uh, you know, things happen the way they did. We won the ones we won. We lost the ones we lost. It is what it is. I can't complain, and I won't because nobody wants to hear me bitch. But I thought it was a great night from top to bottom. Any big takeaways from the weekend that we need to be looking at moving forward? Um, I think, I mean, one thing, and this is just in regards to gambling in in essence, is I think that we've all been so consumed at looking at the what if factors. That's a huge thing. It's, you know, Robbie Lawler is a great example of that. What if he's able to land that devastating shot on Neil Magny? Um, you know, what if this were to occur when you start to look at the fights and you look at the, the strategy, uh, the technical striking, at the end of the day, especially with COVID and being in this small cage, I think we just got to go back to the basics. And I think this card proved that when you go back to the basics, you can come out profitable. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a spot on analysis. One of the things that to piggyback on what you're saying is, is that there's quite a few guys and girls that are on the roster right now that have tasted glory in previous years, previous outings, previous events that have sort of fallen on a time that it doesn't feel safe to bet on them until they can prove you wrong. Mm. A guy like Robbie Lawler is one of them, right? You know, we said last week that Robbie Lawler hasn't won a round, hasn't won a round of a fight (laughs) since 2017. And he didn't win a round of a fight on Saturday either. So now we're three plus years without Robbie Lawler even winning a round. And I think where people get sort of tied up in this is that because MMA fighters are more accessible than probably any other professional athlete on the planet. You start to like people a lot. And when you like people, you get clouded judgment when it comes to your money because you want the person you like to win, not the person that necessarily has the momentum, the skill, the the passion, the, the, the positioning to win a fight. Neil Magny, by decision, was always the smart play there. Vegas had it wired that way from the beginning with the lines that they were putting out. People that were hammering Lawler were hoping to taste nostalgia, right? Nostalgia is a fickle bitch. It brings you back. So, you know, it tries to make you relive the days of old. Mm -hmm. But it's exactly that. It's something that's bittersweet. You don't taste it that often. And guys like Robbie Lawler, that's what, you know, he served up big doses of that sourness uh, on on Saturday night, man. Yeah, yeah, it was sad to watch, but like you said, there's a way to compartmentalize the emotion and uh, go with the uh, the knowledge and forward thinking to put some money in your your wallet. So that's what we did. That's what how it kind of ended up. Yeah, let me ask you this because this was a fight I got wrong um, and a fight that you got right. The Anthony Smith Alexander Rockage fight, mm. right? Now there was a lot to be said about the beating that. Anthony Smith took at the hands of Glover to share in his previous fight. I was really under the impression that given Anthony Smith's record, that a loss would be a loss. He would adapt. He would move forward. He'd overcome, but he looked as gun shy as ever. He looked as gun shy in that fight as he did going into round two and beyond in the Glover fight. Do we think, you know, that a gimme, not a gimme fight, because there's no such thing as a gimme fight, but do they need, to one, make Anthony Smith take a considerable amount of time off, and two, do they need to give him a more winnable fight next time we see him again? Yeah, I think he needs a a, a motivation uh, booster for sure. 
I think that and you said this, man, I would say like 12 episodes ago um, when we were talking about Robbie Lawler, and it's a great segue from the Lawler-Magni fight. There's certain fights that take a piece of you. And mm-hmm. uh, with Robbie Lawler, uh, that was the Rory McDonald. There was a piece of him that was taken in that, in that night. Uh, for Anthony Smith, that was the John Jones fight. From that fight, we've started to see the erosion, both from a mental perspective as well as a physical perspective of Anthony Smith. Do I think that Rockic looked great? I really don't. I don't put too much stock into that win at all. We saw a deflated, we saw an eroded Anthony Smith, nowhere to the level. That initial kick, yes, it looked like it buckled his leg, but I didn't see anything from a ground and pound or yes, maybe I saw some glimpses of great wrestling, but I didn't see anything that just is like, oh my gosh, this is the guy that's going to take down Jan Blachowicz. This is the guy that's going to take down Dominic Reyes. I see him as a, as a contender. I don't think that the weight of what he did that night really kind of catapults him into that that stratosphere i think that's fair um you know there'll be people out there that say what are you talking about he dominated the wrestling exchanges from top to bottom he controlled the pace of the fight and i'll concede that point but i get what you're saying Uh, he definitely came out he implemented a game plan which i don't think was his number one game plan i don't think that plan a b or even c for that matter was to wrestle anthony smith for three rounds i don't think that that was rockage's game plan at all um, but that's what Anthony Smith gave him because it appeared right that Anthony Smith went into autopilot somewhere around the time Rockage kicked him in the ass and knocked his legs out from underneath him. He was like, "Well, shit, now what do I do?" And then he just sort of looked like he just kind of checked out, like he just got like this glassed over, you know, uh, what do you call it, um, ventriloquist puppet kind of face where he just. He was blinking and his eyes were moving and his mouth was open and closing. He just didn't really appear to be doing shit, though. He landed a left hand. I think it was in round two that was pretty clean. It was pretty clean. It was one of like their initial striking exchanges, I think, in round two. It was real clean, and, and Rockage ate it. And mm-hmm. that I think that was just the sprinkles on the cake, man. I think one thing, once Anthony Smith hit him with about as clean a shot as he was ever going to hit him with, and Rockage didn't go down, that was it. And Anthony Smith said it. And it looked like it come fight night. It just looked like he was fighting a guy in a completely different weight class. He's just, Rockets was just way too big and too strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing I was happy about that fight is that uh, Anthony Smith, nothing happened to his teeth. Gosh, dude, those things are, it's miracle workers. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. Anthony Smith, Darren Till, who's got the best set of choppers out there? Oh, well, the thing with, See, here's the thing with Anthony Smith as opposed to Darren Till's veneers is that Darren Till's, and I, I, I hope Darren comes on our show one day, and I mean this in the kindest way possible, is that it doesn't look like his are fitted completely correctly to his mouth. They kind of look like they look like they're just a just a half a size too big. Anthony Smith, on the other hand, his his fit all right, right. But here's the thing: those of you that watch Marvel movies, Anthony Smith looks like uh, Red Skull. I'm not familiar. He's the villain. Well, if you don't want, if you you're watch the first um, Captain America movie, no, he's the villain from the first Captain America movie. Okay. He's also the protector of the Soul Stone in the Avengers. Anyway, you're looking at me like <laughs> it doesn't what matter. The hell? It doesn't yeah. matter. But that's what he looks like. Anyway, um, speaking of Red Skull, let's talk about red meat real quick. Let's talk about stay classy oh. meats. Uh, just transition right into that and get the show ro- rolling, dude. Uh, stay classy, meets guys. We're gonna say it. We've said it every every episode since we started, and you know, Lord willing, and stay classy, willing. We're gonna stay say it till on our last episode. Um, stay classy, meets is the best kept secret on earth. Uh, there's literally nothing else that I would prefer to feed my family than stay classy, meets. Um, you know, your body and your people around you. It doesn't get any more important than that. Feed them right. Feed them well. Stay classy meets. Use promo code FIST. Save 10% on the entire thing. Uh, it's the best kept secret on earth, man. It really is. I wholeheartedly believe that. Yeah. Feed your body good meat. And also make sure you're putting yourself, um, you know, looking the best you can. Guys, Allegiance Clothing outfits you so perfectly. I can't even begin to tell you. Go to allegianceclothing.com. Type in the code PUNCH. You're going to get 15% off site-wide. It's going to be 104 degrees here in San Diego. What is going on, dude? I feel like I'm almost in Somerville, South Carolina with you right now. This is not how it's supposed to be here in San Diego. It's not. Wow. And it's 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 
at a time where you just need to wear something that's a little, little bit more of a butter blend, something a little bit lighter, a little bit would catch the breeze, uh, so I may say. Um, the best way to do that is put the best type of garments on you. Punch, 15% off, allegianceclothing.com. Love it. Absolutely love it. All right. Let's get this show on the road. Let's hit this main card, bottom to top, and then we'll roll right along and we'll recap with the prelim card. Let's get things started, though. Tiago Moises at 13-4, and four, taking on Jalen Turner, the tarantula himself, at 9-5 and five here, Trey. Uh, obviously, you know Moises is a submission threat each and every time he steps inside the cage. And then, obviously, Jalen Turner might be one of the biggest dudes walking around in a lower weight class that we see inside the UFC. Anyway, Moises at a minus 165, Jalen Turner at a plus 145 here, Trey. What are we thinking about who we like, and are they getting done inside the distance, outside the distance? What's going on here? Over, under, on rounds, two and a half, with it at plus 10 on the over and minus 140 for the under. This is a great fight, and uh, credit to Mick Maynard and whoever put this thing together, because this is the confliction of styles that we like to see. This is the quintessential striker versus grappler. We all know Tiago's going to exercise that BJJ black belt, fighting out of ATT, you know he's going to have those accolades. He's going to come in super sharp with wrestling. Turner, on the other hand, the guy's probably got way better striking. He's going to want to keep this thing on the feet. I say better with an asterisk, not because he has bad striking, but just because I don't think that Tiago has any great striking to his own name. If you get clipped, you're going to head to the ground. And I think that's where this thing needs to go. So whether Tiago gets clipped or he chooses to take this to the ground, it's going to be on the ground. Turner... Oh, man, eight of his nine wins coming from um, TKO. It's a definite possibility the guy could get just sleep uh, Moises on the feet. I'm going to side with the wrestler slash jiu-jitsu guy here. That smaller cage, man, it makes me think the comfortability is always going to be on the ground. Okay. I can get on board with the Moises play here. Um, you know, we talked about this prior to we were going to do a, a uh, beard versus Hawaiian sort of bet off yet again, but we're pretty much aligned on most of these plays here. Um, you know, I, I'll, I can concede a, a Moises win. A play that I really like in this fight, though, is the under two and a half at minus 140. Yes. I feel more confident in the under than I do either one of these guys just outright. So while I love the Moises play, I like the um, I like the under two and a half. So, you know, can we put an asterisk beside my Moises and then make the under two and a half sort of the play? Yeah, sorry. Spoke a little bit ahead of what we had originally decided. We love the under two and a half. That is our yeah. official play. I'm saying I like Moises. The reason there's a big asterisk on that, though, is who knows? Is the guy going to drink the striking Kool-Aid that a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and wrestlers get? They want to stand up and strike with Turner. I think that's a horrible idea. We don't know what's going to happen there. But under two and a half seems like the safe play here. Okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. All right, let's keep things moving right along. Look, man, I, this was a fight that I, I'm not necessarily sure should even be on this main card here. I guess they're trying to finally give Brian Kelleher a little bit of his due, but he does have a last-second replacement here. Uh, Brian Kelleher at 21-11, and 11, taking on Ke Kevin Natividad, and I think I'm saying that right, at 9-1, and one, coming up from LFA. Look, we can't find a line on this fight currently but we do have a feeling uh, about what we're seeing here and maybe an opportunity to make some money on an underdog play depending on where this line actually ends up what do you think here trey yeah so i'm gonna ask you first so brian was obviously slated to fight ricky simone yeah before this just fl splash in a pan here who would you have chosen in those in that fight I would have I would have taken Ricky Simone there just based on the way we've seen Ricky look lately. Uh, I think that he would have been a little bit more physical. Uh, obviously, he would have a better gas tank. I, you, you can't discount Kelleher's power and his ability to throw counters. He, he does a really great job of throwing two, three, four-punch combos and angling off. He's very, very good at that. As a very real boxing style set up to his striking. Um, which could pose problems for a wrestler turned striker like Ricky Simone. And it may pose problems for like a Kevin Natividad. It very well may. You can't discount Brian Kelleher. But if you're asking me who I was going to take in Ricky Simone versus Kelleher, I was going to take Ricky Simone. 
Yeah, and you said a couple things right there. One, gas tank. Brian Kelleher's never had a great gas tank. We saw that in his last fight. Now, Tiffy Dad, he's a brawler by nature. The dude throws hands. Five of his nine wins coming from a KL. I mean, yes, he's going to be pick his shots and be a little bit selective, but when you have two people that like to throw hands, like Brian and like Kevin, it's going to be a dogfight, and literally in that type of cage, it's going to be who can land cleaner first. Um, I think Kevin's going to come into this fight you know, a week's notice, not with great cardio, but again, Brian's not going to come in with great cardio either. Kevin's actually going to come in as the bigger fighter. Um, will that kind of fare and help him create some safety net around his face? If he gets clipped, maybe so. Um, I like Kevin in this. Um, I say that because we've seen time and time again in the apex that it doesn't matter if you're on a week's notice, it's a different game when you walk into that small cage with no crowd and Kevin has freaking cement in his fists i don't like this fight for kelleher because it feels like a stay busy fight um he's already fought three times this year and this will be number four right him and hannah cypher is now reaching the number four club um obviously success early won his first two fights of the year against Odie osborne and hunter azure who's also fighting on this card but lost to cody statement in pretty decisive fashion i don't necessarily see this as a fight that brian kelleher needs to take right now Right. I feel like it would have been smart for him to wait for Ricky Simone. So yeah. unless Kelleher's got something going on financially that he needs the money, I don't understand the need to risk it against the Nativity Dot. I don't understand why you would want to do that. And for that reason, because he has everything to lose momentum-wise, in a Bantamweight division, and let's be honest, at Bantamweight, you can make noise. You can absolutely make noise. There's, there's a little bit of a logjam at the front right now. But 6 through 15 is wide open. Wait, wait. Just wait your turn. Get a couple wins under your belt. Face the names that are out there. Taking a last-second replacement fight on a guy a guy with you know a week's notice, unless you've got some sort of pre-existing you know, belief as to why you're going to win this fight, maybe they sparred previously or he knows some of his coaches or sparring partners or something. Hell, I don't know. I don't see the need to take this fight. I don't know why he's taking it. I wouldn't. Seems too dangerous. And like you said, the uh, the apex cage is making mortals out of us all. I think in the Timmy Dodd play here is acceptable if the line comes in at something you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. I'm not here standing for, for a Nativity Dodd play. Can he win this fight? He can win this fight. But do so, bet accordingly with a line that you're comfortable with. Minus 200, I don't like him. Plus 200, I like him. I just have to say one thing. I love when you say Nativi Dad, dude. It sounds like you're it sounds like uh that that Spanish Christmas song, uh Feliz Navidad. That's, that's every time you say it, dude. I just I don't know how else to say it though. Is there a way to say it where you don't pronounce it Natividad? Like how do you not say it that way? No, <laughs> you're giving it its just due. I, I appreciate that and I'm sure uh his heritage would as well. I'm just saying, like, so if I wanted to do, like, the South Carolina part of it, I could be like, Natividad. Natividad. But I'm just not. Natividad, yeah. Natividad. Daniel But I'm just, I don't think, I just don't think that's right. Now, I will say this. There, who, I forget who was the cat I had. Um, I had somebody's name all, I had, I butchered. Oh, it is Ryan Benoit, not Ryan Benoit. I had oh. that completely wrong. So I really thought I was doing fancy shit by calling him Ryan Benoit in his last fight, but it's Ryan Benoit. Ah, see, that's full South Carolina. You could have said it the right way. I could have said it the right way, you know. Anyway, which <laughs> Ryan Benoit, by the way, looks like a turtle. His head and his chest, <laughs> that freaking, those ratios are wild. My man's chest is like 10 inches out, his freaking head and little tiny ass neck. Anyway, all right, let's keep it moving before I get off topic here. <laughs> All right, we got uh, look, man. I I think it's Zalim, Zalim Amadeev uh, taking on Michelle Pereira. Uh, Amadeev at eight and two, Pereira at twenty three and eleven. The backflip king himself here. Trey, let's 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 move through this one a little bit quicker. Amadeev at a minus one hundred five, Pereira at a minus one fifteen. However, fun little fact here: sixty two percent of the money, as far as Vegas is concerned, is coming in on Pereira here. They're thinking he's going to get it done. What do you think? We're talking about a guy that just recently got disqualified uh, because Diego Sanchez bitched out in the middle of a fight from a. <laughs> it's a way to say it for I, sure. I said what I said. 
I said what I said. Don't at me. Actually, don't do at me. <laughs> I think this is the first time we're actually going to see Pereira um, fight a more, uh, you know, normal fight, I guess. We're not going to see that PlayStation user smashing buttons on UFC 4, just drunk virtual bout. We're going to see a guy who's going to get rid of the cartwheels, get rid of the backflips, and just know that, hey, a pink slip could be in the mail if I do not win this fight. And the thing is, what we did see in the Diego fight is he had some technically strong striking. He had some great footwork. He had a way to win that fight. I don't think this is going to be the time we're going to see the acrobatics. We're going to see the crazy you know, circus that is Michelle Pereira. We're going to see a more sound guy. The only thing you got to watch out is for this Russian Emendayev. Dude, I just don't think that he has the fight IQ to get to at least deal with the onslaught and move through this. I think that Pereira is more technically strong. I think that he's got a better fight IQ. I think he's got the experience. This should be a win. It should be, right? And it, sh- it should very well be. Amadeev is capable of fighting very well for about a round, a round and a half. And then for whatever reason, at least as far as what we've seen in the UFC, he fights well for about a round and a half. And then for whatever reason, he just kind of fucking forgets what he's supposed to be doing yeah. and goes away with what goes away from what was working for him the previous five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, and starts doing other shit. It's like he gets bored, distracted, whatever. Lost the majority decision uh, to Max Griffin in a fight that, you know, and I say this with all the love for Max in our in my heart here, is that Amadeev could have won that fight if he would have just been a little bit more disciplined. But instead, he allowed himself to get into a crazy back and forth with Max Griffin, which he could have avoided, um, and allowed that fight to be closer than it needed to be. And then obviously he got slept by by Danny Roberts. But the first part of that fight even, uh, Imadayev looked decent. He looked good in that fight up until uh, – you looked good up until you didn't. But he looked – he had flashes of UFC – level talent execution and cage smarts this to me is a loser go home fight right if either one of these guys that loses is getting cut as as exciting as Pereira is he's getting cut if he loses this fight Amadayev if he loses this fight he's getting cut there's no I don't think there's any if ifs about about that the loser of this fight's going home I like Pereira just based off of somehow deep in my heart I just feel like even the most basic ass dude walking around that's Brazilian knows a little bit of jujitsu, just a little bit. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, normally I'd give the nod to any Russian or Dagestanian fighter, but Caucasus Mountain Warrior, hundred percent. I mean, dude, they're all they're grinders by nature, is what they are. But I just don't see that happening in this fight. I don't, I don't see the experience Michelle needs to get this done. All right. Well, hopefully he does. All right. So let's keep things moving, man. Co-main event of the evening: the rematch. Or no, we're not. We're still one more. Dude, we got a six-fight main card. It threw me off. We're not at the co-main yet. <laughs> Dude, hey, women's it MMA. Be, it, could be, it could be three fights in the next two days. You don't know that. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't want to curse it. Knock on wood. Sajira Eubanks at 6-4. and four. Sarge herself has taken on Carol Rosa at 13-3. and three. Uh, Look, man, you know, this might be our first underdog play of the night based on what you were talking about. We love those wrestlers. Uh, Sajara Eubanks is gritty. She's rough. She's tumbled. She's in there ready to get into a fight. Uh, what do you think here, Sarge, at a plus 110? Is she worth the the money at uh, Rosa coming back at a minus 134 there? You know what gets me out of bed in the morning, Dale? Women's MMA. Women's MMA. Let's fucking go. Okay. Yeah. Eubanks, five and four. Really have not seen her to her full potential. <laughs> and the record states that right there. You know, she's had weight issues. You know, we saw that in the uh, tough fly uh, finals that she was supposed to compete in. Couldn't make fucking weight. She's had really good fights, though, against good people. Lauren Murphy, uh, Roxanne Montefiore. Uh, she's fought tough chicks. Her losses, Aspen Ladd, Beth Korea. I don't think Beth Korea is that good, but I do think that Aspen Ladd is really good. Um, you know, and the Beth Korea fight, that was bullshit scoring. If we all know that, if we all saw that fight. This is a thing. Here we go again. Trey is going to side with a jiu-jitsu and grappling person. 
This is a legit BJJ black belt who's literally done outstanding work, not just inside the cage, but outside the cage. You see this chick fighting in like IBJJF fights, no gi, gi, not that gi means anything in this fucking fight, but anything no gi, the dude there, I mean, the chick has so many medals. <laughs> uh, I just think that Rosa, Rosa coming in 2-0 in the UFC, maybe she's a little bit more well-rounded with her striking, but at the end of the day, She's going to come in taller. She's going to come in with better striking. But Eubanks is going to bring this to the ground and win this fight. Falling apart, dude. Falling apart. Um, Yeah. Listen, I'll take Sarge here just based off of, uh, you know, Rosa is a Brazilian herself. She she does have the, the, the grappling chops to be competitive here. I just like this physicality of Sajara Eubanks, right? I just feel like she's just going to be physically stronger. I'd be shocked if she wasn't. Um, she just kind of beat up on Sarah Marais, like really just sort of beat her up in a way that made it seem like one of them had been fighting in MMA and the other one was like doing cardio kickboxing and decided they wanted to try something new to test themselves. She's so physical and so strong. Um, I'm going to take Sajara Eubanks here as an underdog, you know, first underdog play of the night. Let's get it. Let's get it cracking. So, co-main event of the evening here, Alonzo Menafield, the rebook, 9-1, and one, taking on OSP, Ovin St. Pru, 24-14, and 14, the wealth of experience. This fight got rebooked because OSP tested positive for COVID-19. My man is COVID-free uh, and ready to rock and roll here. This line got tighter than the last time when it was previously booked. Menafield at a minus 138, most places minus 140, some places minus 150, you can find over or OSP out there somewhere between one plus one ten and plus one twenty one twenty five at a couple overseas books. I liked OSP then. I liked OSP now. Trey, what are you thinking? I'm thinking that I'd almost want to say a prop bet that this was not going to go through. I have a weird. Sixth mm. sense here that this mm. is going to be deferred to the Ferguson, Khabib, Kutalaba, Ankalov, oh, OSB, Menafield. I just feel I feel COVID's coming back, dude. I don't know why. Don't please know. don't, please don't do that. All right, let's uh, say let's say it stays COVID free. I'm loving OSP in this fight for all the same reasons we talked about two weeks ago. I think he's got the wealth of experience. I think that he can take a shot. You know, people say Menafield's path to victory here is knocking OSP out. OSP just fought. Ben Rothwell mm-hmm. and didn't get knocked out. And if you're not going to get knocked out by the King of Kenosha himself, um, and not only that, dish out some punishment that had Ben Rothwell in trouble in certain spots in that fight. Can Alonzo Menafield hit hard enough to knock OSP out? Of course he can. I'm not stupid, but OSP's a wily veteran. You're talking about a guy that's lost more fights than Menafield's one on or has on his t- record total. I like OSP here, man. I'm just I'm not going to elaborate on it at length. OSP, I like him an underdog wherever you can get him. No, I agree. I think um, as it is with a lot of heavy-handed strikers, if they can't clip you uh, in the first, cardio becomes a central theme of everything. Uh, do we have a case in point for that? Absolutely. Go look at the Devin Clark Menafield fight. Devin avoided the early onslaught and then worked him over over the course of three rounds, got the decision. Exhaustion will ensue, and then that's going to lead to takedown, and then that Von Flute choke, dude. <clears throat> OSP is going to hit that. I like inside the distance with OSP, but we're just going to OSP. Correct, 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 correct. All right, main event of the evening, dude. Alistair Overeem, the demolition man, which, let's be honest here. Everybody knows Alistair Overeem, right? And his name is one that sort of commands, it's like it's his own nickname in and of himself with Alistair Overeem. A lot of people don't understand like this idea of like the demolition man, Overeem. Is there a more forgotten nickname? in all of MMA than the Demolition Man for Alistair Overeem. I'm going to be honest. I forgot. This whole time I thought it was Uberim. Like, as of, like, five... Yeah. What? Right. So Alistair Overeem, since way back in the day, has gone by the Demolition Man. (laughs) Does Bruce even say that? Yeah. He does? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just... Is there a more forgettable name? That's what I'm saying. There's a... 
there's a, there, I don't think there's a more forgettable name. All right, look. So here's Overeem. He's at 46 and 18, taking on uh, heavyweight. I'm not going to call him a newcomer, but he is the new kid on the block as far as elite heavyweights go in the UFC landscape. Augusto Sakai, 15-1 and 1. Although if you're asking me, there should be a that should be a 14 and 2, but it is what it is. Um, look, man. The lines on this one are a little wonky depending on where you're looking, but Overeem is at a minus 150 favorite most places you look. Sakai at a plus 130. Um, I think this line's disrespectful to Overeem, to be honest with you. I think it should be more. Um, I think Overeem should be a bigger favorite here. Uh, he's craftier. He's wilier. He's, you know, got four times the fight win total than Sakai has in his whole record combined. I mean, he's just a beast. He's fought nothing but killers, you know, for the last 15 years here. Not to mention the fact that he's fucking training at a team elevation tray. And I told you before, mm-hmm. I'm not betting against a team elevation guy. You're not going to convince me to do it. They're the best team on earth right now. I'm taking Reem. I'm taking Reem here. You have to take Reem. This is the most disrespectful line on the planet. I say that because... This is a fight where you have what's considered a hot prospect in Sakai coming up, and you've got Overeem who's climbing the ladder. He's not climbing the ladder. If it wasn't for that bullshit stoppage by Dan Mergulata at the end of the fight, he would have won that fight. He wouldn't have had to re-climb the ladder. Mm. This is his chance at gold. I think that despite losing some muscle over time, wink, wink. um, It's just horse meat. We don't have horse meat here in the United States, Trey. Yeah. I know it's just not great, eh? Um, he's he's not be, he's not become chinny by any means. We saw them in the Walt Harris fight. Walt Harris freaking put an onslaught on him for the first round, and somehow he was able to it make make it look like to a certain degree that he was defending himself to allow the fight to progress. He was able to do his amazing ground and pound, and then take Walt Harris out. He's not chinny, you know. While he's lost his muscle, his cardio is not as atrocious as it once was. I still think he has decent. Decent cardio. Um, he, I know he's going to have more than Augusto. Augusto, to me, looks like the purple blob at McDonald's Grimace. Yeah. It's the same person, same body type. Dude's flinging burgers. Listen, at, you know, here's the thing with that, right, is that people talk about um, – well, well I'll, I'll go back to your body type comment here in a second, but about the chinniness for Alistair Overeem. Alistair Overeem is fighting guys that weigh – 265 to 220 pounds mm-hmm. that are you know anywhere between six foot and you know if you're talking about a guy like Stefan Struve's 6'11 who's not getting knocked out by a dude that that's is that fucking big who who's not getting knocked out by that like oh Francis Ngannou knocked him out who is Francis Ngannou not knocking out that isn't Stipe Miocic who who yeah. I'll wait I'll wait right Oh, Bigfoot Silva knocked out Overeem. What? They had to custom make Bigfoot Silva's gloves for him because he's got lunchboxes for hands. Who's he not knocking out? Like, of course. What are you talking about? Chinny. What are you talking about? You got a guy that's 265 pounds punching you in the face. Bro, if you don't go down, right? Bro, if you don't go down. Now, we can talk about Chinny for guys that are like 115 125, 155 pounds. If people are tapping you and you're falling down, okay, now we got to talk about it, right? Yeah. I see seventh graders that are running around weigh 155 pounds. You mean to tell me if they bump you in your chin, you're going to sleep? We got to talk about it, right? That's chinny. But a 265 pound man punching you in the face and you don't, if you go down, bro, who's that? Chin, who, 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 why are we saying that's chinny? I don't, I don't, understand, I don't understand. I don't see where that comes Now, body type. Daniel Cormier dispels all body type rumors. I I agree with you that um, Augusto Sakai's stomach looks like a frowny face. It's got like a little <laughs> bit of a mm to it. We got a little bit, little, you know, talk about a little one of those mm, mm, to it. Yeah. Makes it look yeah. like a frowny face with his nipples. Nipples are the eyes, the the butt, the belly's the, the upside down frown that's face. The, that's a medical term. Yeah. Right. But my man DC, um, you know, came in looking like a holiday ham <laughs> his whole career and put it on people. So body types be damned. Um, you know, Sakai looks like, like, like Sakai's body looks like one of those big inflatable things that they put out in front of a car dealership where it's like, like where it's just, you can see everything ripple through him. That's what he looks like. Anyway, enough talking about this dude's body. I'm not body shaming him. He's a big, big, strong dude. No, he can win this fight. 
I mean, he can. The, the thing is, that when you're cutting down to 265, though, dude, you're not you're not floating like a butterfly. Let's put it that way. And the thing is, it's going to be tough. He's the type of guy that needs to land that big, heavy shot. He's not going to be able to control the distance. He's not going to be able to control the pace. Alistair Overeem is going to be able to get this done. We saw that in the Czech Congo fight against uh, Sakai. Czech Kondo was able to control the hands, control the pace, and control the distance. That's what that's what Alistair is going to do. Alistair's dealt with Walt Harrison, knowing what the onslaught is. He has that in the back of his mind. He knows that Sakai is going to come out for blood in the first round. If he can create that distance, move around, and then eventually get a takedown and utilize his patented ground and pound, this is Alistair's fight to lose for sure. Yeah, I think Blagoy Ivanov beat Augusto Sakai, by the way. I'm just throwing that out there. Whenever I said it should be 14-2, and two, not 15-1, and one, I thought Blagoy won that fight. Uh, but that's, anyway, that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to bitch. All right, Trey, let's put a bow on this bad boy. You got anything else that you want to leave the people with uh, before we before we depart today? We're going to rifle through the prelims. Oh, <gasps> we do have to rifle through the prelims. <laughs> I, you're absolutely right. I forgot all about the prelims, dude. We're no, doing the pre- you're good. We predominantly always just showcase the main card, but the thousands of messages of like, guys, you got to put out the prelims. It's you like, you know what? Yeah, put out the prelims. Put out the prelims. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, we, we all think that you guys all sound like distinguished English gentlemen. Hello, good fellows. <laughs> yeah. Do bestow upon me the prelims. Over picks. under, please. Over under on plays, please. <laughs> all right, here we go. Let's get things moving. The fucking wheels have come off this show, by the way. I don't know if anybody's realized that for tonight, but the the uh, the wheels are come off. Hunter Azure, Trey, eight and one, taking on Cole Smith uh, with the Wolverine beard, seven and one. Hunter Azure, eight and one. Hunter Azure minus one ninety five favorite here, taking on Cole Smith, who's coming back at a plus one eighty. What do we think here? Because I like Hunter Azure just because he's named after a color. Um, what do oh. you think? Oh, well now I'm, now I'm all in dude. Um, now you're all in. Yeah. I, I mean, I do like Hunter in this fight. This is, this is tailor made for him. Um, this is a fight where we saw his technical abilities really well when he outpointed Brad Katona. I think that, um, you know, Cole, um, we talked about this before the show, the dude's a bruiser The guy wants to make it bloody, make it a dog fight. Mm-hmm. Hunter, as long as he can stay composed, go to that technical striking. He has the foundation. Um, he's been humbled before. He's ready to go. Yeah, I'm taking Hunter Azure here just by cardio and wrestling alone. I just think he's going to have – I think he's just going to have more looks to offer Cole Smith, and he's just going to get the fight done. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be great. You're not going to walk away from this going, this is a standout performance. No way. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think we're going to take Hunter Azure here. All right. Marcos Rogerio de Lima at 17, 7 and 1, taking on Alexander Romanov at 11 and 0. My man is undefeated. Does the O have to go when we're talking about this fight? De Lima at a minus 110 versus Romanov minus 120 here, Trey. 68% of the money in Vegas is coming in on Rogerio de Lima, despite the fact that he's sitting at a slight underdog here at minus 110. Do we like. My man Ruggiero to get it done here. The is the round set at like one. <laughs> right, dude. I'm calling this the inside the death uh, distance death match, man. This is Romanov. You know he's 11 and 0 outside this promotion. Um, he's never gone all three rounds. Delima, on the other hand, he's been KO'd or he has KO'd people within the last nine fights in the UFC. Delima is always lost if it you know goes to the ground yet both these guys i mean uh romanov doesn't have the real ground game both these guys are going to strike it's literally drunk punching left and right yeah over on our rounds is currently set at one and a half with the yeah. under one and a half at a minus 150 <laughs> i know that we initially talked about delima here and i know you feel confident in that but you know me i love to throw you for a curveball i'd love to throw curveballs at you mm-hmm. Fair. i think i think i might institute a small bit of mutiny here and go with Romanov. Okay. And the logic? Puncher's chance. <laughs> okay. All right. Um I just think here's here's I'm gonna I'm gonna just real quick. I'm gonna first take you right here. <laughs> I my love issue just with throwing Ro- you off your game. Good. Well no dude my, my issue with Romanov is he's gonna come in so small. He is the smallest heavyweight on the planet and that's a tall task, pun intended for sure, yeah. um, to take down a heavyweight. Um, I think that 
I mean, you're Delima, he's going to try and bring him down because he knows Delima doesn't have a really good ground game, but he doesn't have a good ground game within himself. And a small dude going up a big against a big dude to bring him down to the ground, not going to happen. I think this is going to stay on the feet. Someone's going to clipped. I think the experience lies with Delima. That's why the line's set the way it is. Yeah, I think you're right. I was just I was trying to sell myself on Romanov, but you made a great point here because Delima's never been finished by strikes. He's only been tapped out. So mm. uh, he's only lost by submission or by decision. He's never been knocked out. I'll take Delima here. Maybe a prop play on the under one and a half at minus 150 as well. How did you do that, dude? I'm all sweaty and hot and bothered now. I know. I, I knew it would throw you off instantly. <laughs> I can I like see it. your old body composition change. All right, man. Two more fights left on the prelims. Vivian Erijal taking on Montana De La Rosa. Uh, Montana at 11 and 5. Erijal at 8 and 2. Look, buddy. Montana <laughs> De La Rosa is a, not a huge underdog, but she's a pretty big underdog here. Plus 150 versus Erijal, minus 175. I think that might be a little pricey for an, uh, a fighter like Erijal. I kind of like De La Rosa at that price. What do you think, man? What, what are we looking at here? Well, I, I don't understand that line at all. De La Rosa, she's got great grappling, but she's not a great striker. She's um, not a great striker, but she'll she'll snatch a body part. Yeah. Bro, she yeah. will snatch something. She, come on, she will snatch something. Jeez, ah, man. I just... You know, Vivian, she made a huge splash in the pool when she beat up Alexis Davis last year. We saw that. She didn't look great in her decision loss to Jessica I, but... You know, that's a tale of two completely different fighters. Are you going to compare Jessica I to, you know, De La Rosa? I don't think so. I, I think, think, well, so. I don't think Jessica I is a great fighter by any means. I really don't. Um, I don't think De La Rosa is to that caliber. Um, I think yeah. Vivian, you know, was able to at least stay on the feet and strike with Jessica I, who is a more accomplished striker. If De La Rosa can get to this ground, sure. I can see maybe where that line is. I just, it's hard to get girls down to the ground, man. It is, unless you're Montana De La Rosa, who has a submission win over Christina Marks in 2017. She's got a submission win over your your girl, Rachel Ostovich, uh, back in 2018. And then another submission win over Nadia Kassam. Now, did she lose a unanimous decision to Andrea Lee? Absolutely did. But then she won a unanimous decision against Maria Barello. So, oh. Montana De La Rosa at plus 150, bro. I'm feeling myself here at a plus 150 dog dude dude you weren't feeling yourself till you said barella they're not to be dad the barella dude what are you go 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 travel out of out of country dude i'm frustrated with you okay well i like i like montana de la rosa in this fight too she should get this done i'm just saying you want to go back to your puncher's chance thing vivian 1000 has the puncher's chance well absolutely she's fight. much listen she's a much better striker and she's gonna be physically way stronger and more aggressive than montana is but in that aggression can montana turn that into a grappling exchange where she snatches up an arm or something like that and what we have seen with women with all due respect for the high level women fighters out there is they struggle against uh year one style submissions like your basic yeah. defense position you know uh, uh like we shouldn't are we re ronda rousey became the biggest women's star arguably in mma history because she could arm bar our chicks judo throw to arm bar dude judo That's throw it. to arm bar so the first time that somebody learns how to defend an arm bar ronda rousey never went to fight again <laughs> so the skill disparity sometimes is rather high. So a girl like Montana De La Rosa that can get it done via arm bar, via rear naked choke, via heel hook, she's got a couple different weapons up her sleeve. Is Arajal walking around with the capability to defend herself from those chain style attacks? I'm going to wager some money that she's not going to be able to. And possibly, because I told you this before, I feel like this is an event where we could go perfect. I'm going to risk that perfect event on a 150 underdog here in Montana De La Rosa, who I, I concede to your point here, Trey. I'm throwing a curveball at you. We did not agree on De La Rosa prior to this. So if you want to go with Arizal, you can go with Arizal. But I, the beard, am going with my girl, Montana De La Rosa. We're on this journey together. We chose that this would not be a distinction between <laughs> the Hawaiian and the beard episode. I'm going to ride, but I'm telling you, dude, if you're wrong on this one and we have done this card perfect through and through, uh, there will be shit talking. I will know, like at the beginning of the episode, I will gloat um, in a poor manner. 
Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Let's get to the featured prelim. Ooh, now you put some pressure on me. Now I'm starting to feel a little sweaty in the back of my neck. Yeah, I, right. would, I would text De La Rosa and just be like, hey, you good? You good? You good? You good? How you feeling? You all right? Everybody's good? You eating good? What's the yeah. weight look like? All right. <laughs> Bartosz Fabinski at 15-3 and three, taking on Andre Muniz. Muniz. Muniz? Muniz? How do you say his last name? Muniz. Br- Muniz? That's where I'm going. It's an IZ. He's oh, Brazilian. You've been crushing it with your, your accents. I'll go with you. All right, Muniz taking on look Bartosz Fabinski. Can, are we going against the Polish power here? My man's fifteen and three, coming off a unanimous decision win over Darren Stewart. I know that you sort of are leaning Muniz here or Muniz, however you say this cat's last name. I'm sure somebody's going to give a shit about it. Fabinski at a minus one fifty, Muniz at a plus one twenty five. Fifty eight percent of the money Vegas. In uh, Vegas is coming in on Muniz here. It looks like he's getting a little love. Can we can, can we count on seeing that love continue through fight week? What do we do with this line here? Because it looks like it might be trending towards pick'em status here, Trey. What are we looking at here? Don't don't expect this fight to be fireworks by any means. That this is the featured prelim is a bit of a sleeper. These guys are both grinders. They're both going to look to shoot and take this to the mat. Just like you said, we talked about. Fabinski and his fight against Darren Stewart and that kind of weird cage warriors 113 fight that was a UFC fight, but it wasn't or whatever. Um, the thing is Muniz is a guy that's going to come out fast. And the problem is he tends to fade to the pace of his opponents. Um, the one thing and the one thing only that is in his arsenal is to get it to the mat and try and find a submission. That's why uh, 50% of his fights have been submissions to his name. This is quintessential jiu-jitsu guy but then you've got another guy that's a great wrestler uh i think regardless things heading to the ground um you know me bjj for life dude uh i like moonies just for that reason but i don't expect this fight to um to be just off the paper wild it's going to be very much clinch up against the cage who can who can shoot a single or double first and get this to the ground yeah, over under on rounds of this, just in case you're wondering, is it two and a half with the yeah. over two and a half at a minus one eighty five. Yeah. So Vegas is clearly leaning that direction as well. Um, so w- we think of Muniz here, Muniz. Yeah, yeah, I I think that if it does get to the ground, you got to fare with the jiu-jitsu guy and hope that he's at least going to have top position, which is going to look like quote unquote octagon control, get him the points and get him the decision. Sure. This is a fight that I would classify as a you could stay away from this fight. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I, you know, people are asking us for breakdowns and picks, and we're going to give them because you're asking for it. But realistically, if you're looking at all the fights on this card from top to bottom, this is the last fight that I'd be willing to put money on. I'm just being honest. Yeah. So uh, I, I would li- willingly bet on every other fight on this card before I bet on that fight. Um, and I will. I will probably bet on every fight on this card. Well, I will. I'm, it's not a probably. I will. Uh, except for this Fabinski-Muniz fight. <laughs> I agree. I'm just, I'm just being honest. All right. Let's put a bow on this bad boy. Trey, we covered this entire card uh, from top to bottom, uh, from the middle to the top to the bottom to the middle. Dude, you got any parting shots, any words of wisdom for the folks here at Punch List? What you got anything, man? What do you got? I got I got beer money that I'm giving away right now. You're giving away beer money? You're I've already away. I've already mixed through the reviews. I'm ready to go. And I, I'm I'm shelling out dollars. Dude, I okay. Listen, I, I suppose I had this coming because I've been throwing you for a loop all night and then you just literally took my beer money assignment away from me. And now you're gonna hand out beer money. All right, man, do your thing. Wait. It takes you like 45 minutes to to find the thing that mixes up the reviews. I'm just I'm, I'm swiping through. I'm just picking one right now. All right, man. Do your thing. All right. The winner of Beer Money is War Ready 117 The review was five stars. It said, great experience with listening to the show. Great in detail breakdowns. Even got in touch with the host. And they were very helpful. We'll definitely start spreading the word. That's, that's pretty legit. So War Ready must have talked to you or I and gotten those, those premium picks there, sir. Okay. All right. Well, I, a couple different things there. One, uh, my man is is right. We are completely active or active constantly on Instagram or Twitter. More so Instagram than Twitter, if we're being honest here. Um, 
check us out on there if you haven't already, guys. Like I said, we try to make this as interactive as possible. Try to make it as accessible as possible. If you have questions about anything, if you love us, if you hate us, if you want to tell us, I don't give a shit what you want. If you just want to talk about it, right? Whatever it is, run it by us. Um, I'm happy to talk to anybody in the community and appreciate War Ready. Was it War Ready 117? Yep. All right, man. So what you can do is reach out to us between now and fight night, right? So from the time the first bell rings, you have between now and then to reach out to us on Instagram or shoot us an email at chat at punchlistmma. Uh, if you do that, we will Venmo you, Cash App you, whatever whatever form of digital currency you want. We'll Venmo you, Cash App you some beer money. Uh, just reach out to us and let us know. If you don't reach out to us by the time the first bell rings on Saturday night, that beer money carries over to the next beer money giveaway which will be next week love it love it any words of wisdom dude to just bookend this thing you know we talked about bankroll management we talked about knowing when to avoid fights um this is a fight that i would say is probably pretty avoidable uh that lat the fabinski uh, muniz fight guys what we're trying to do is provide information to you if you want to tail us completely tail us i love that if you want to fade fade the goal is for Trey and I is to provide as much information with to you as we possibly can so that you can make the most informed decisions based on your money and your comfortability. If you're not comfortable betting $100 a fight, don't bet $100 a fight, right? You know your limits. And if you don't know your limits and you got people that are reaching out to you telling you you got a problem, seek help for that problem. Um, and I mean that in all sincerity because there is no greater rush than hitting a huge bet uh, and there is no frustration as deep as whenever you lose something that you really thought you were going to win. So that does suck, and I know what it's like to chase that dragon. So take care of yourself. Bet responsibly. Don't do anything uh, irresponsible. Stop leveraging grandma's pension against you know shit like this. We do have grown men and women playing punch face inside of a cage. Anything can <laughs> and does happen. All right, Trey. Um, that's about it, man. That's it, dude. Admittedly, I'm going to be a little bit more out of pocket this week. The wife is currently preparing, preparing. There we go. She's having surgery on her busted up fingers uh, tomorrow morning. So those bad boys are getting all put back together. Those of you that have been following us along on Instagram, you saw my wife's horrific finger injury <laughs> akin to one Josh Emmett. Uh, yeah. Just the finger, just eight shades of fucked up, man. So she's getting that thing surgically repaired tomorrow morning. But that's about it, dude. That's about it. What do oh. you got? Anything? Well, that's that's great then. So for those that are listening, they're most likely going to get communication through me. So it's going to be a lot of beer emojis, little cheer glasses, and a yeah. lot of dollar bills. Cause lot. Let's do this. Let's do this. All right, guys. Uh, follow us on all social media. Reach out to us, Punchlist MMA, or chat at Punchlist MMA if you want to do the email thing. Uh, reach out to us wherever you can. Happy to engage. And be sure to like, subscribe, share, support the show by supporting show sponsors that we don't ask for anything, don't charge for anything, and don't expect anything. But if you do want to show support for us, if you gain any value from the content of the show at all, please do so by reaching out to our sponsors. Shout out Stay Classy Meats and Allegiance Clothing. Be sure to check out their respective websites and use our codes that were available at the beginning of the show. Last thing, last but not least, I always tell you guys to be good to each other. I'm going to say it again this week, but I do want to instill one more preachy thing to you. Family is all you've got. Family, tradition, pride in yourself. Do not let those things slip away. Take care of yourself. Take care of your people and be good to each other. See you guys next week. Mm-hmm.